Hey, mountain friends, glad to be back with you, but we got a problem, all right? Everybody knows about the problem. Everybody sees it. Everybody feels it. It's like the elephant, or you could even say the donkey in the room. I'm talking about the deep division and the thick tension around politics. <laughs> yep. I said it. We're going to go there. Uh, as soon as I say the word, did you feel something kind of rise up in you a little bit? We're going we're gonna to keep it real today and over the next few weeks because, let's face it, y'all, we need some help. We need help with the separation of church and hate. Because our nation is so polarized around politics. I mean, you, 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 you know, you're talking with family or, or people at work or some neighbors, and someone says, hey, did you see Biden chose Kamala Harris as his running mate? And a part of you maybe tenses up inside a little bit, right? Because you're wondering what's going to be said next. Am I right? Someone might say, well, I'm glad. It's about dang time. We need a change, blah, 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 blah. And someone else might think, glad? Are you crazy? She's horrible, blah, 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 blah. Am I right? It's not just, oh, well, we have different opinions, and then we drop it and go on with our conversation. No, 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 no. These days, we size people up based on their views, Right? And we're more angry and animated and angsty about everything. So we argue more, yell louder, act meaner, because everyone is politicked off. If you don't believe me, try talking about kneeling athletes with some friends today, right? Want to talk about the police and their presence? How about immigration or health care or the Supreme Court or global warming or abortion? Good, good, good grief, we can't even talk about wearing masks without making it politically divisive. And, hmm, election season is heating up. Do you think it's going to get better? Here's why we're also really needing to talk about the separation of church and hate, because Christians are often seen as, and sometimes, honestly, we are part of the problem, because we get sucked into things that, that we're just one more political voice in the noisy debate. And so I want to know what you're doing about it. I want to know if you think it's even a problem. <laughs> Whether you do or not, we're going to get some help over the next few weeks, not just to cope with all the tension for ourselves, but, but help in knowing how someone who identifies as a Christ follower should think and act in times like these. Because it turns out, you know, there really are some, some really distinctive thoughts and attitudes that we're called to according to the way of Jesus and the will of the Spirit and the Word of God. And to be honest, you know, we're not always living up to it. So I'm not going to be taking sides in debates or pushing one party over another. But we are going to keep it real. We're going to be super candid and tell the truth about what's going on. And let God's word boldly challenge anyone who's serious about following Jesus to start thinking and acting in ways that really match and mimic the Lord we say we follow. And I'm no dummy. I know that some of the things I say are going to tick a lot of people off. I'm not trying to make anyone angry, but we do need to step back and really think about this because there's a whole lot at stake, I promise you, so much at stake for your own character and the, and the church itself. So I hear a lot of questions around this subject. You have a lot of questions. I do. We're going to try to help with the separation of church and hate. So if you've ever wondered... You know, with everything so divided, what can I do? 
What should Christians think about these political divides? Is there one political party that Christians should support? Does God have a favorite candidate? Should I vote? Who should I vote for? What does my allegiance to Christ have to do with my patriotism to my country? Is there any hope for our future at all? As a Christian, should I give up and stay out of that political stuff? When people bring stuff up and are really one-sided about it, how do I engage in that kind of conversation, or even should I? Why don't other people who call themselves Christians see things the way I do? It seems so clear. Why doesn't Mountain get more on board with my political ideas? Does my faith have any place in all this political stuff? All those questions are questions we have, and we need to talk about it because, you know, I'll tell you one reason is it's all this is affecting the church in negative ways. The more everyone sees their primary identity in life as tied up with their political ideology, which seems like that's where we are today, the less people really lean into the power of the gospel to bring people together. And that affects our mission. That affects what the church is. If we're no longer joined by our our common tie that binds in Christ, but churches are really just kind of a reflection of the local politics, demonstrating very little ability to tolerate anyone outside our little group, well, then we're just like everybody else and we have nothing to offer. So this is important. Part of it is goes back to because there's this massive shift that's taken place in society, and I won't try to take a lot of time to unpack it. I have in other times and places, but we could just say this briefly. Christianity in the past was sort of more the mainstream in America, right? We were thought of as sort of the majority, and, you know, as a pastor, I was invited to pray at the football game and at the town hall meeting, right? We were the big boys at the table, but over the years, we've seen society change, to where the Christian viewpoint is no longer the dominant one. And in fact, we've been pushed more and more to a sort of periphery along with a host of other, a plurality of other religions and viewpoints. And you see this particularly in academics, in education, cinema, some media. And there's very little openness in some circles now toward Christianity. And we no longer have that sort of you know, accessibility we used to have. We're at the little kids' table. And that means we're on a mission field. We're in an increasingly unchurched culture right here in America. In fact, as you know, the fastest growing religious group is the nuns, those who have like zero religious affiliation. And yet we can't quite seem to agree about what we should do about this new position and place we find ourselves in. Some Christians say, well, you should just fit in blend and bend and become like the culture. And there are sure times when we need to understand our culture and adapt our methods to fit a changing world, of course. But when the church just bends and blends and wavers, not just with methods, but with our message and who we are, well, then we end up looking just like the culture we've been sent to redeem and to offer good news to. Fitting in doesn't fulfill the mission of Jesus. Some say, well, you should flee. You should run for your life. Get away from that evil society. And there are times when we need to draw the line and keep a separate boundary from sinful practices and behavior. But you you can't be insulated. You can't pull away completely and say you're following Jesus who came to be with sinners. He didn't flee. And when Christians just build defenses around themselves and hide in our Christian ghettos, right? Kind of safely tucked away from all that bad stuff and those bad people. We're failing to understand or really feel like we're a part of the culture we're sent to really be salt and light for. And we make ourselves irrelevant 
to a world that desperately needs us, but won't get any help from us because we ran away to hide out in our Christian caves. So some say, no, 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 no. Don't fit in and, and don't flee, but fight it, they say. They think that's the church's main job is to stand up and fight a culture war, to, to win the culture back, to get God back where he belongs in his rightful place. And there are many times when we need to stand up for what's right and speak out against injustice and know when to fight. But when we see everything through the lens of culture war and fighting, we make enemies out of the very people we're sent to love. We expect a culture around us to act like Christians. A lot of Christians forget what we're sent here for, and they get angry at non-Christians for acting like non-Christians, and we can't seem to get past how persecuted we are. So that's why a lot of Christians are offended all the time today, and their reaction is anger when they see something they don't like or that makes them nervous or goes against their values. They think their job is to fight it. When you stop and look at the early church in the Bible, and when you look at the church in periods of history when it was just flourishing and rocking and rolling and growing and was right on target, dead center, it didn't major in any of those things. Our best response to a changing world and our place in it is not to try to just work hard to fit in or to flee from it or to fight against it, but our best response is faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus. And that means we will be marked by a relationship with Jesus that becomes our very identity. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it looks like to respond to the world around us and this, the, 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 the division we're seeing with true Christian faith. And there are some distinctively Christian attitudes and actions that are meant to define us in this cultural moment. I want to know if you claim to be a Jesus follower and you want to walk in the ways of Jesus and be guided by the Spirit of Jesus and obey the Word of God, I want to know if you'll commit yourself to these five things. Whatever your political leanings, whoever your favorite candidate is, whatever your pet issue is that you just think is so important, if you call yourself a Christian, then I'm just going to call you out humble myself to the same calling out and say, we need to get better at these five things. Number one, we need to remember our identity all the time. We're going to talk about that today. Number two, we need to behave with civility. How do you treat people with whom you disagree? Number three, we need to demonstrate humility. Our posture should look like the one we say we're following, Jesus. Number four, we need to strive for unity, because there's so much division and so much is at stake. And finally, we need to be known for charity. That's a fancy word for love. That's what it's about. Identity, civility, humility, unity, and charity. That's where we're headed. Today, I just want to say if you're a Christian, someone who follows Christ, that's a huge gift to you because this is going to clarify so much for us. It points us forward in how to think and act. And I just want to call you out today and say, remember your identity. All right? That will ground us so much in this whole conversation of the separation of church and hate. Now, I hope, and I know there are many who are listening who do not identify as Christians. Maybe you're just curious or someone sent this link to you or I don't know, but we're really glad you're here. And, and, and I really think it's probably safe to say that you might have some impressions of Christians and politics that, that maybe aren't so good. I don't know. 
A lot of Christians have made a lot of noise and maybe turned you off. I, I don't know. Or maybe you think all Christians have a certain viewpoint, whatever. If you're not a Christian, we're glad you're listening in. But we want to do our best to remember before you and let you eavesdrop about who we really are as we commit ourselves to do a better job of acting like the one we claim to serve and follow. And I want to say to the Christians and everybody else, I know I'm going to say some things today that are, that are true, but some of you aren't going to like it. In fact, some of you are going to flat out reject or deny it or say I'm full of it or it's a bunch of religious platitudes or it doesn't work in the real world and blah, blah, blah. Because you're so locked into your perspective that you're determined not to let anything move you away from it. Not even God. Not even the word of the Lord. Not even the mission of the church. And I just want to challenge you on that. I want to say don't be held so captive that new information from a higher, more authoritative source wouldn't challenge you a little. I'm going to share some things with you anyway in the humble, prayerful, hopeful spirit that we'll all have ears to hear and reconsider some viewpoints and attitudes and recognize them for what they are, attitudes and perspectives, so that whatever your viewpoint, whether you're far right or far left or far middle or far I don't know or I don't care, that if you're a follower of Jesus, that you would see that simply must be your first and primary identity your first and primary concern, and that everything you do, your job, your family, your finances, and your politics would come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that might mean some of us have to make some changes. Are you ready to walk in the ways of Jesus and live according to the will of the Spirit and obey according to the Word of God? Let's jump in here with a challenge from the words of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 10 says that we are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The Lordship of Christ means that we allow Jesus to shape our way of thinking on every issue, including politics. So if you're not a Christian, you can think about things however you want, but if you follow Jesus and He's your Lord and Savior, then you take every thought captive. And that's challenging because sometimes I think we're thinking, well, I'll take some thoughts captive, you know, spiritual things, churchy things, forgiveness, or that kind of stuff where He's an expert. But when it comes to other issues, we want to get our ultimate wisdom and authority from other sources. So the challenge is, are you willing to bring every thought captive to Christ? It's like, it's like these glasses... I've told you this before, but when I, when I put these glasses on, you know, I'm looking through these lenses and everything I look at, I see through these lenses. So my focus, my vision, how I see it is affected by these glasses. That's what it means when God says, take every thought captive. He says, I want to I give you a new set of glasses so that you'll look at the world and people and issues according to how I would look at them and think about them, how I'm teaching you, not how the world looks at it. Don't be conformed to the world's viewpoint. Take every thought captive. And one of the trickiest things to learn is how to keep our God glasses on when it comes to areas that we get riled up about. And it turns out everyone's politicked off. That's one of the areas. So our political perspective today, what I see is a lot of people are using their politics as their lens. And they look at everything else through that. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You can do that if you want to, but don't call yourself a follower of mine because I'm asking you to seek first the kingdom of God. Take every thought captive. Here's how I would frame the question for you. Are you primarily, like fundamental identity we're getting at here, 
Are you primarily a Christian who then might happen to be a Democrat or Republican or have a view on this or that? Or are you primarily at an identity level, like who you are to your core, someone whose life and world has been shaped as a Democrat or Republican or Independent or some other issue, who then happens to be a Christian? In other words, do you look at your politics through the lens of Jesus? Or do you look at Jesus, the church, and his mission through the lens of your politics? See, Christian is not like a modifier, as in, I can say, I'm a Christian Republican or I'm a Christian Democrat. It's not an adjective. It's an identity. And without ultimate allegiance given to Jesus as Lord, then it's not Christianity at all, and the church is on shaky ground. I remember some years ago when the U.S. was involved in war overseas. After some of our troops made a strike, some civilians were incidentally and accidentally killed. It was a country that most people in the U.S. thought of as primarily Muslim. But reports came back that many Christians from that country, including some who were worshiping together, were unfortunately killed in the process. A Christian leader was pointing out that war is complex and messy, and before we just pump our fists in the air and yell, yeah, kill them all, we should probably remember that some of the people who live there are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're the family of God with us. They live in a different country, and our country is at war with them, but they're followers of Jesus too as our family. We can mourn that their lives were lost. But you know what I heard some Christians say is, no, not if they live in that country. They're our enemies as far as I'm concerned. Because some see Christian as a weak modifier, that those people were Christians didn't matter as much as the fact that they weren't Americans. And that should challenge all of us because that kind of thinking reveals something that, that Christians who said that sort of thing have kind of forgotten who they are. They think of themselves as Americans first and Christians second. How about you? We can probably all agree that one of the real blights in Christian history was that unfortunate period called the Crusades when the armies marched in the name of God and people slaughtered one another in the name of religion. Some who enlisted troops did so with full belief that God was on their side. They slapped crosses on their shields and called themselves Christian crusaders saying their cause was God's cause. Whenever you begin to assume that your cause is God's cause, you're probably in trouble. And you're not doing God any favors either. History has exposed how gross the Crusades look from our vantage point, right? And today we ask, how could those people do such mean and horrible and terrible things, all while claiming to be Christians uh, and doing so you know, in the name of Christ? What version of Christianity even was that, right? It's easier to see when you look back at history. It's harder to recognize that sometimes it happens right in the present moment. But let's be honest, right? A whole lot of nonsense and evil is still done in the name of God all over the world in different religions. And just slapping a cross on our shield or our bumper sticker or our business card doesn't make whatever we do Christian. It's not an adjective. It's not a modifier. It's an identity. It's someone who has given up their their rights to self and repentant of their demand to lead their own life and follows in the steps of Paul who said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who even live. It's Christ now who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So we're going to seek to walk in the ways of Jesus, the will of the Spirit and the Word of God. Are you 
walking in the ways of Jesus, following the will of the Spirit and obeying the Word of God? Because because the Bible says you've been bought and paid for by Christ. You belong to Him. That's who you are. Now act like it. So we don't identify with a candidate or a position because we have a mission to lead people to Jesus, to help them grow in Him, to create a community that's shaped by Him, to make more and better disciples. That's our mission. That's our kingdom. And it's, it's more important than politics. And we don't want to do anything that would reduce our effectiveness at doing that. Because you can, listen, you can only be known for one main thing. You can only have one main thing. When you give your voice to other issues... You lose your ability to speak to everyone about the one issue we're called to share, and that's Jesus. Friends, the reason we can't get caught up being the carriers of other political messages is because we have one message to deliver well. 1 Corinthians 4 says, This, then, is how we want you to regard us as servants of Christ and as those who are entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. We're stewards of God's mysteries. We don't own it. We just are are here to manage it well. That's the one thing God has put in our hands is Jesus. It's all we have to offer. And we can't put it down and say, well, we're going to pick up our other hobby horses and major in those. Because if you're a Christian, then you're a steward of the mystery of God. So ask yourself, what do you really want to be known for? What, what's your main thing? I know a lot of Christians, and I know many who are known primarily for their stance on politics. It's what they talk about. The conversation is always a reaction. It's super predictable because that's their focus, their passion, their main concern. What we need are people who truly follow Jesus, like know him, understand him. And that way, when you come to your politics, you'll remember your identity as his child. And you can walk according to the ways of Jesus. You can live according to the will of the Spirit. And you can obey the Word of God. I can see how serious some of you are about your politics. What Jesus wants to know is how serious you are about Him. Seriously, if I could get some Christians I know to be half as excited about the Lord as they are about their politics, we'd have a revival on our hands. If I could get them to to get half as excited about pushing Jesus' agendas. They are about their latest progressive or conservative agenda. And if you're so offended at what I'm saying right now, it, it just might be you. Paul said, he said, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. That's what he wanted to know. And it really convicts me. I want to read some scripture to you here. First Peter 2, he's telling them how to act mature like believers ought to, who are truly shaped by the Lord's kindness. He's talking to Christians and he says that Christ is like the living cornerstone in a, and you are living stones being built up into God's building like, like you're holy priests in a spiritual temple. And he says that some are going to accept Jesus as the central chief cornerstone in their lives and some are going to reject him. And then he says in verse 9 this, but you're not like that. He tells them who they are. He says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. doesn't say you got to work at being those things. And if you do this, that, and the other, that's, that's, that's who you could be one day. No, 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 no. 
It says that's who you are. The Bible doesn't say if you do a bunch of stuff, you can become like this or that. It says, here's who you are. Now act like it. So he goes on to say, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. That's the mission. Once he tells them the identity, he tells them the function. And the mission is show people the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, but now you are, you are, you are God's people. You didn't used to have mercy, now you do. So I warn you, remember, you're temporary residents and foreigners here. Keep away from the world desires that wage war with your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Careful, it matters what you say and how you say it. Then even if they accuse you of being on the wrong side, they're going to see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. Remember who you are. It matters. You know, when I was in middle school, I wanted to go to a party with some kids from school. I didn't know them very well, but I, I said, ah, I want to hang out with them. There were some cool kids. I thought I needed to go, you know. So I asked my parents, can I go to this party? They didn't say yes or no right away, but we talked it through with me. Why did I want to go? Who would be there? What kind of activities would likely go on at this party? What do I know about these families? Would, it, would the parents be there? All that stuff. They were trying to help me, you know, think about things ahead of time and teach me how to be a critical thinker rather than just, you know, be someone who went and showed up and got swept along with things I would later regret, I think. Sometimes my folks said, no, that's not a place you need to be. But this time they said, okay, you can go be home by such such a time. And when it was time for me to leave, I remember my mom looking me in the eye. She said, remember who you are. Remember who you are. That was more powerful and influential to me than any set of rules or boundaries they could have given. Remember who you are. Remember you're a Kacharis. It wasn't a guilt trip. It wasn't like, you know, anything like that. It was a reminder of the kind of person I wanted to be, that I was called to be, that they were expecting me to be. And that helped me. It reminded me that my actions were a reflection, not just on me, but our, my name and our name. And it was an invitation to draw strength from my identity in my family. A strength that would help me be more than I could be on my own. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I think that's the Lord's word to us today. Remember who you are. If you're a Christian, act like it. Walk in the ways of Jesus. Live by the will of the Spirit. And obey the word of God. In the coming weeks, we're going to dive more deeply into some of the specific actions and attitudes of those who do those things. For today, the plea is, in this next election season, as we navigate the tensions of global and national and local issues, as you engage in conversation, as you make your posts on social media, as you talk around the dinner table, as you form your positions and take your stances, here's the plea. Don't forget your true identity. Remember who you are. And if you're a follower of Christ, be sure to act like it.